0: We're located in the market media building it's located at 203 east college avenue sweet c in divine texas plus if you need to get any other information from the church you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org that's calvarydivine.org here's today's teaching amen all right so i entitled this uh daniel chapter 4 is verses 1 through 37 the king's testimony from pride to humility to belief, And so it's from pride to humility to belief. And so last time we left off, I'm going to read part of Daniel chapter 3 just to kind of catch us up where we were at. Just so you know uh, where we're moving to at this point. And Daniel chapter 3 verse 26 uh, is, is kind of towards the end of the story. And, and it says, uh, The Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. Remember, they had asked them to bow. And they wouldn't bow, and so he decides he's going to throw them into the fiery furnace. He's so angry that he, in the midst of doing this, he ends up killing the mighty men, his, uh, those that were uh, his security uh, in the process of doing this. And, uh, and so now we see them being uh, in the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door. of uh, The burning fiery furnace, he declared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Servants of the Most High God, come out! Uh, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out uh, from the fire, and the satraps, the their prefects, the governors, and the king's council gathered together and saw that the fire had not uh, had any power over their bodies. Of those men, uh, their hair or their um, the hair of their heads were not singed; their cloaks uh, were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him and set aside the king's command and yielded upon their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, And their house is laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So what we see is these three young men, and it's one of the biggest things to remember is that these were three teenagers. uh, 15, 16 years old, and and they're in a fiery trial, so to say. And it's a reminder to us that that, uh, when we're in that fiery trial, that God is going to protect us. And at the same time, as you're obedient in that trial, he's going to promote you and look after you. There's a blessing to the obedience. And so as we dive into this chapter, chapter 4, this is the final chapter that we have King Nebuchadnezzar and his life. And and it's some 30 years have passed now since the fiery furnace. And, And so... Daniel's now in his in his mid 50s, and Nebuchadnezzar is actually somewhere around 70 years old, as he writes out his testimony, and he has ruled Babylon for about 35 years up to this point. And so he's defeated all the armies. Uh, he's the largest kingdom in the history of the world at this point. He's prospering very well. And and so one of the things that we need to remember is as we read chapter four. This is King Nebuchadnezzar's account. It's not Daniel's. It's King Nebuchadnezzar's. And so it's his testimony. So if I was to ask you what is the most important day in your life, what would we normally say? Probably a wedding, the birth of a child, the day that we were maybe cancer-free. No, the most important day of your life is when you came to know Jesus Christ. That's the biggest thing that can happen in your life is when Jesus becomes your personal Savior and you repent of your sins and you ask Him into your heart. And see, in this world, we've seen many, many things that uh, pull people away. And, uh, and, and we, we see a time, we live in a time now where we see uh, the climate today where Jesus is an afterthought. And we were just talking about it as we came in. To divine, one of the things that I see is a divine season. It's not a divine season, it's a divine Christmas because of Christ. That's what Christ is. And I thank God on the four uh, corners, somebody put the nativity sign up. Because there wasn't anything of Christ up there. And you know, when the little town forgets about it, you got big problems. And all you can't you can't do that. And so, one of the things is is our our walk with God, our walk with Christ, cannot be an afterthought. It has to be the thing that drives your day. That God saved you, and you need to let somebody else know that. So as we get into this chapter, this is his personal letter, and and one of the things that I love is he he's sharing his testimony. And the thing that we have to do is we have to ask, and I I gotta ask you, is if you if I brought you up here, could you do that? You know, would you actually be able to share your testimony? It tells us that we all are supposed to do it in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. You're supposed to tell everybody. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. One of the things I love is that um, I remember when we were going through a book with uh, the grace groups when I was at Grace Calvary Chapel. We did a book with Lloyd Pulley, and it was talking about sharing your faith. And there was an acronym that he gave, and it's very important that we're willing to share uh, how we came to know God personally and and be able to 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 share that with our loved ones to be able to share that with total strangers uh, because they need more people are looking for answers today than ever and and you have the answer that they need right the most important and we're going to talk about that this weekend the most important question that you'll ever answer is whom do you say that i am when jesus asked that question and so Honestly, what's going to happen this week is we're going to go into Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. We're only covering three verses this week. And we're going to answer that question over the next few Sundays as we get into Advent. And Wednesday, we're going to take a break from the book of Mark and take a break from the the book of Daniel as we get into Advent. And we, we, we will answer it. And I hope after we get done with those studies, you'll be able to answer who Christ is. And, and so that's very important that you're able to do that. So the five principles of share, the first one is we are to be sensitive to the Spirit. And I, I'm going to get back to, to Daniel. I'm not going to leave this, but it's very important that you understand this because as we get into Daniel chapter 4, he's going to do these things, right? So how many times do you struggle to make something happen, but when you stop and pray and the Holy Spirit gives you the opportunity you're led by the Spirit, and then you're prompt to talk to somebody. And I can tell you right now, I, I, there have probably been times in all of our lives where we've been prompted to talk to somebody, and even myself, I've neglected it. And I walk, you know, that's one of the things I remember early on in faith, trying to get past that. I was like, what is that? And it's like God's, that's the Spirit trying to get you to go talk to that person. And so we have to be able to, to sense the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what I mean by that, if God is telling you to go talk to the person, go talk to the person. That's Spirit-led. God's going God's to gonna be there for the conversation. He's going to help you, give you the things that need to be said. And guess what? Sometimes they don't want to hear it. And that's okay. You are, you are obedient to the Spirit. So we're, we're sensitive to the Spirit. The next thing is we need to be humbly building a bridge. Well, one of the biggest things we have wrong with us today is pride. And we're going to talk about this at the very end of this chapter because that's what Nebuchadnezzar had problems with was pride. Right? We need to humbly build a bridge. That means we're not yelling and arguing about the gospel with somebody. If they don't want to hear it, bye. Okay? It's that simple. If they want to sit and argue with you and yell at you and curse at you, I, you know, I'm sorry that I upset you. I'm going to walk away. I hope that, you know, one day you'll be able to have that conversation without all the anger. You know, but we need to humbly be able to build that bridge. And, you know, that's, that's hard for people right now because everybody wants to fight over everything. Remember the Samaritan woman? Jesus humbly built that bridge. And even though he humbly built that bridge, he was truthful with her. But he didn't, didn't argue with her. Uh, next is A, you need to arouse interest. And that's when you talk to people. You use those opportunities when you get that open door. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on, man. My, my marriage is a mess. My kids are driving me crazy. I don't know what else to do. That's an opportunity. It's an open door. Do you know Jesus? Can I pray for you? You know, what are you living your life by? And, And you take those open doors when they come up. And after you arouse interest, you reveal sin. That's what the R is. You reveal to them the sin. Now, this is a delicate balance here because it's so easy for you to be disrespectful and unloving. And we're going to see this. And, and when Daniel shares, it's a beautiful thing. He's encouraging. There's a balance of love and truth. And that's the hardest balance that Christians have today is love and truth. They may be too loving, right? Right. Oh, it's okay, God is love. You you keep doing what you're doing. God is love. When you're ready, you'll get to it. No. Or you can be too truthful. Man, you're going to hell, bro. What you're doing, that's that's just that's a one-way ticket to hell. That's too truthful. But you can have that balance. You have to have that balance of love and truth, right? So, you know, it's it's to remember I'm a sinner saved by grace. So uh, when I'm talking to somebody, my speech, my, my, the way that I talk to them, there should be grace, right? There should be grace in how we talk. And then lastly, we explain the plan of salvation. We explain the plan of salvation. We actually share the gospel with others, and, and, and we, we tell them why, why does God allow War. Why does God allow cancer? You know, those are questions that people have. Well, why did God allow my grandmother to die? And they don't understand that, that the, the world that we're living in is falling. And so you point them to Jesus. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves them. He died for them. He died for you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And that changes everything. It changes everything. What we're going to see here in the very beginning of this chapter in Daniel chapter four is you're going to see that whole acronym be played out in the chapter. And 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 so I, I would definitely recommend Lloyd Pulley. I forget. I, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. I think it was Share, but it has to do with sharing the gospel. I'll make sure it goes up on the notes. But Lloyd Pulley wrote it. Passed her out of and then the book came out of 9/11 when they were ministering he's in new jersey the the calvary chapel i think it's old bridge or something i forget the name of the the church old bridge i think it is and they were ministering to people at 9 11 and it was just being there at that level so as we look at daniel chapter 4 verse 1 we start off with it says king nebuchadnezzar to all the peoples Nations language that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied to you It has seemed good to me to show the signs and the wonders that the most high God has done for me Now as we read this before we get started one of the things That's going to happen is nebuchadnezzar is going to have his, another dream And he needs who to interpret it the only one that can interpret it is who Daniel right um, and so one of the things I love in Job chapter thirty-three, Job chapter thirty-three, verse thirteen, it talks about how God speaks to us through dreams and visions. Uh, it says, "Why do you contend against me, saying He will answer none of my uh, man's words? For God speaks in one way and in two, though man do not perceive it, in a dream and a vision of the night, when the deep sleep falls on men, while the slumber on their beds, then He opened." opens the ear of men and terrifies them with warnings that he may turn man aside from the deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul soul from from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Now, you read that and you go, okay, well, I can see kind of the the visions, right, and the dreams, because we know that that young men have visions and old men dream dreams. But one of the things that we're going to see is this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, should have caused him to lay his pride down and say, you know what, Lord, I need to ask for forgiveness. But he didn't. So that's why when you read that last little bit, it kind of gets scary in verse 16 of Job chapter 33. Because it says, Then he opens the ear of men and terrifies them with warnings that he may turn man aside from his deed, conceal pride from man, and keep back his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword." What he's meaning is, is like, hey, um, you need to sometimes get to the end of yourself before God will, before you can come to that place of reaching out for Christ. I can tell you I know for myself it was the time that I got to the end of myself. I had to get to the end of myself. And, and Lord knows, he tried so many things and I just didn't, didn't care. I went into combat. Didn't care. Didn't come to know Christ. Had, had somebody try to minister to me. Didn't need it. I was good. Got sick. I was good. I'll get through this. You know, I, I, I lived a, a, a childhood that where I spent a lot of time by myself. And so I just learned to, to get by. And I'll figure it out. And that's how I look at things. And, you know, I, I can remember having that, that thought of, well, maybe my good will outweigh the bad. Didn't know what was going to happen to me. You know, because they, they tell you when you're young, when you get autoimmune, they're like, you'll be lucky to live to 40. Most people who get it at a very young age don't live that long. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm, that's it. I guess I'm just sitting around waiting to die. Did that come to make me know Christ? No. Kids wanting to commit suicide? No. And time and time and time, God is pressing and pressing and pressing, and I wasn't getting it. And it wasn't until Teresa said, I've had enough of you. And the one thing that God knew I, I could not do, which was Divorce. Because my mom and dad did it, and I knew what it did to us. It didn't matter how old the kids were. This is the thing that most people, and y'all, I hope, I know we're going off a little bit. This is the thing that most people don't realize. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. 19, 20, 21, 22, guess what? When you divorce, it affects everybody. And it will still affect that 20-year-old or that 30-year-old kid. Because now, when they have birthday parties, and there's weddings, and they got six sets of grandparents showing up, because I had that, and they're not, you know, it, it it it's crazy. But that was the one thing I I was like, Lord, I, I I can't, I I didn't know how to fix it. I had always tried to fix it before, but I there was no solution this time, except Jesus. He was the only solution. I had, to, I had come to the end of myself. And that's what's going to happen here in Nebuchadnezzar. So at the very beginning when you read this, you're going, well, it seems like everything's good. <laughs> right? King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. And that's a lot like um, Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2. It says oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good for the st- his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble. So one of the things that we see in that verse that's from David and that's David when he was uh, or, or when that's uh, the people of Babylon when they were being redeemed actually. And, and we know one of the beautiful things about us is because we have Christ you know this this. Redemption is available to everybody uh, through Jesus. And, and so when we look at that psalm and we look at that opening, King Nebuchadnezzar is saying to, to all peoples, all languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It is seemed to, to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. So he's saying to everyone on the earth, You need to know what the Most High God has done for me. Now, you go, well, I can't reach everybody one on the earth. You can. There's a tool that does that now. There's no excuse for us not to share the gospel. There's no excuse for us not to. And and so this is one of the things I'm going to start challenging you all because I really am thinking about having somebody come up next year every wednesday night and share their testimony you got five minutes so i'm I'm not going to let you go 20 30 minutes (laughs) you should be able to share your testimony under five minutes and so we should be excited about the lord redeeming somebody this is the the same thing that happens in the book of acts with the apostles they share their faith and it's a challenge to us to remember that we are uh, to share our stories of what the Most High God has done for us. The Apostle Peter, he, he shares it in Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as, as, do, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer is thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. You have the Apostle Paul in in Acts chapter 26 and verse 12 as he's talking to the the king, King Agrippa, and and it says, In this connection I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest at the midday. O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Then shone around me those who journeyed with me And when he had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand up on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You need to know how to share the gospel. Just look at Paul's account. Jesus gives it to you right there. Right? Who am I sending? You. I'm sending you. You're going to open the eyes and turn, uh, turn darkness to light. You're going to, you're going to pull people from the power of Satan to me, to Jesus, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's why I'm here, to share that message, so that they would be sanctified in faith by Jesus Christ. It's that simple. You don't have to rewrite. I mean, you have testimony after testimony in the, in the New Testament to, to guide you. In Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says, And he did not permit him. This is very important. We went over the scripture when the, the legion uh, uh, was inside, the demon was inside the man. What did, he, what did Jesus tell him to go do? Go proclaim, right? Jesus heals him in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, and he says, And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away to begin to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And we remember, we just went over the story, right? The Syrophoenician woman hears the gospel, in where? Decapolis. So she hears it from someone, and then ha- where's the 4,000 fed? The capitalists. And there's this, they didn't want to leave Jesus. They were with Jesus for three days, they didn't want to leave. They had stayed with him until they, they had no food. And, and it's because somebody goes out and they proclaim what Jesus has done. And so we need to remember that God has put that on our heart to go out and proclaim. And one of the things that I love is that, that, you know, we have to remember that when we look at these signs and wonders, the signs are to direct you to Jesus. That's what the signs are for. They're to direct you to Jesus. And, and so many people walk through the signs. They miss it because we talked about it this past weekend. They're spiritually blind. They're spiritually blind. They're missing what God has in store for them. And so he tells them all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. And King David says this in First Chronicles 16, verses 8 and 9. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all of His wondrous works. If you've been saved, when's the last time you shared your testimony? Right? The church doesn't grow not unless you go out and share. You invite people. You know, that's that's one of the things I'm going to challenge y'all with uh, at the beginning of the year can't move into another place and have bigger space and you you're not growing we need to be able to share and look for those opportunities we got to be fearless you got to be daring you got to be brave you got to look for those opportunities and share christ it says in verse 2 it seems uh seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders of the most high god has done for me and and it and and it says how great are the signs of Almighty is His wonders, the kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and the dominion endures from generation to generation. So just to remember the signs and wonders. What does a sign do? It points people to God. When we're looking at the miracles in the book of Mark, they point people to Christ, to the Messiah. When He heals somebody of an unclean spirit, Right? those are to get our attention to change our direction that's what a sign does and a wonder it draws us to God draws us to God what we're going to see as we dive into the verse four is we're going to see his life prior to God right this is Nebuchadnezzar's life before God before he makes a belief, I believe that he did come to know faith based upon what I read. Now, there are some scholars that don't. And, you know, and I don't have a doctor or a Ph.D. or any of that stuff. But I, from what I read, I, man, you can see the, the, that there was a change in this man's life that happens. And so what we see verse in, in verse 4 is the life prior to God. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. The king was doing very well. Now, remember, this is the same king that killed the, the mighty men, right? The chapter of that, back in chapter 2, was ready to kill and killed some of the magicians, right? And the whole household. This, this guy is, you know, he's out there. He would be somebody maybe like, Paul, like the Apostle Paul that would not... You would think, man, that guy could never come to faith. He's killing the people of the way. He's killing Christians. And it's a reminder to us that none of us are that far gone. God is not done with us. Remember back in Daniel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Because the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men in Babylon be destroyed. This man's going to come to know God. And what's crazy is you see that what's happening in his life. He was at ease in his house and prospering in his palace. He had everything he needed. Reminds me of the people of Australia. They had everything they needed. The government took care of everything for them. And now there's a pressing that's happening in their life. And God is trying to get their attention. Now. You can look at it in the other way where you go, man, it's overreach, it's whatever. But God is trying to get their attention. They don't go to church. I think it's only less than 10%, maybe a little more than that, that are believers. And at the end of the day, they were prospering, doing very well. Like most countries before COVID. Most. And then God is trying to get our attention as well. Remember, we read that in Job. He will press. And you can either wake up, because what we'll see here is after we get the interpretation of the dream, King Nebuchadnezzar has a year and doesn't repent. And then God presses, and that's it. Gave him an opportunity. He was disobedient, and and God deals with it. In Zephaniah verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, probably <laughs> not one that we read all the time, right? In Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12, I love this. It says, At the time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. And so what we see is there will come a time in this world where the unfaithful, it's known as the day of the Lord. They will be punished. It's universal judgment. It is going to happen. And we'll talk about that this weekend. Uh, it's, that's As we talk about whom do you say I am. You're forced through that question to have an opinion about Jesus. You're forced to have a question through this. is that you need to know that there is a day of judgment. And it, it, let's say you, you get out of here and you escape before the day of judgment. Guess what? The day that you die, you either have chosen to follow Christ or your choice has been made for you. And, and you know, that's hard to hear. But at the same time, that he's saying to us and trying to speak to us in, in God's Word, y'all need to wake up. Y'all need to wake up. It's you can be prospering and you can be doing well, and God is still trying to move. And that's even for you as a believer. Everything can be going great, (laughs) and there's something that's going on here that nobody's seeing, and God's saying we're going to deal with that. I had to press a little bit. Now some people, man, we had a dog. a little um, basset hound. And that dog, as soon as you walked in the house, she, was, she just submitted to everybody. She just rolled over and let you, like, like pet her belly. Another dog would come in the house. She would just roll over and just, like, I'm, I'm submitting. Now, I wish that we were that way with, with God, right? Right? If we would just submit and not have to wait 12 months, 2 years, And keep doing the sin. But eventually God, like I said, signs and wonders. God's trying to get you to turn. There's a sign here. And you run right through it. That's why we talked about spiritual blindness this past weekend. You can't have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You need to have both feet following Christ. And so that's something for us to remember. Now when we share our testimony. Because he's sharing the past he's saying I was prospering right he's sharing the past Uh, I want to make sure we talk about this when you share your testimony you are not to glorify your sin so many times I hear people they'll spend 15 minutes on their testimony and 10 minutes of it is a sin their past life it's it's Look, it's very simple Uh, I was a very angry man I committed adultery I watched pornography I I caused major um, mental abuse on my kids and my wife but then God I don't need to go into the gory details of each thing now first time I shared my testimony after an hour in Louis goes okay we got to wrap this up I didn't know what it was to share my testimony. I had no clue. Nobody had sat down and, and, and said, hey, this is what you need to do. That's why I gave you that share at the very beginning, that acronym. And I'll make sure that goes up this week on the devotion because that's what the devotion is going to be about this week. So that way you can kind of have an idea of what you need to do. It's just a guide. I mean, there's many different ways. There's the Roman roads. There's, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, but we need to not glorify... The sin. Spend more time talking about God. Right? You know, when we spend more time talking about us than God, we got a problem with our testimony. Okay? Now, when I have you come up and share your testimony, I'm not trying to grade you. I just want you to get in the practice of doing it. And you know, the other part of it is, too, is people in the church need to know you. You need to know you. Like if, when you first meet somebody or you talk with them, you get a chance to go to lunch with them or something. Take time at least a few minutes to say, "Hey, this is what this is how I came to know Christ." Take time to do that. So your testimony is not about you. It's about what God has done for you. <laughs> right? And so who is the star of your testimony? God. Not you. So many people, when they share it, unfortunately, it's them. And so we need to remember, just spend that time. Don't glorify. When you talk about your past, don't glorify your sin. The next, you know, verses from 50, uh, from verse 5 to verse 33, are going to deal with the way that God has drawn Nebuchadnezzar to him. That's what the next 5, verse 5 to verse 33 is going to deal with, how God had drew Nebuchadnezzar to him. And so he's going to spend the majority of this time talking about what God did and what he was doing. And this is a Babylonian. A new believer writing out his testimony. If you don't know how to do your testimony, probably the first thing you should do is, is write it out. Write it out. And and, and if you can't, if you, you have a hard time writing, because I know some people that's not their thing, say it out. And if you go, well, I don't know if I'm... Record it. You know? it's Get used to saying it. The only way you're going to get better at it is by doing it. you got to be able to do it. And And... Just a news flash. I share my testimony, but it's the way the church grows is by you sharing your testimony. I only come into a certain amount of contact with people, y'all come into more people. Y'all have access to your families, to your friends. You know, y'all live in different communities. That's that's the purpose of it. Everybody thinks that's the pastor's responsibility. You're supposed to go out and talk to each person in the community. No, that's the church's responsibility. It's the church's. And we need to take those opportunities when they come up. That's why I love the, the Divine Food Pantry. You can actually share the gospel there. As you give somebody food, you can pray with them. You can give them a Bible. Most places won't do that. Verse 5 says, I saw a dream that, that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they may, uh, might make known to uh, me the interpretation of the dream. The magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came, and I told them the dream, but they could, they, uh, could not make it known to me its interpretation so here we have it again so what did nebuchadnezzar learn the first time nothing (laughs) how many times have you been with somebody and you go man god is moving in your life and you're and they they don't catch it they go right back to the thing they did before he goes right back to the devil's people which is, and I know a lot of people probably won't like that, but the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers—that's all the work of the devil. Just in case you missed that, as we covered in chapter two. If you're if you're checking your astrology, you need to stop because that is the devil's playground. Okay? There and and you know we've had uh, I've, one of the things I remember is like like there's no. I don't care what's, that's what I don't like a lot of times, as we'll see. We were just talking about that, um, is is we have to be very careful because people will think, well, it's okay for me to have my cards read, you know, as a Christian. And it's like, no, you're opening a door, right? You're opening a door for something you don't want to be messing with. Or somebody comes up to you and says, well, but I'm a good witch. I can cast a spell or I can do. No, you need to get away from me. Don't do that. Let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) Right? But that stuff happens. And we're seeing it more and more today. That's why when we talk about Christmas, it's about Christ. My little granddaughter asked me, you know, I'm ready for Christmas. You know what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus being born. And see what happens is we allow these these magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans and astrologies and all this stuff, and it's gotten into our culture. You see it on television shows all the time. They have a medium come in or some, and you're like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? You're you're claiming to be a Christian." But on the show, for some reason, you're doing this. And so Nebuchadnezzar is going right back to the thing that's going to draw him back away from God, if anything, right? And, and, it, and he's looking for the same people. They couldn't answer it the first time. They couldn't answer it the first time. He, he's, you know, he's 70 years old, Okay. Let's give him that, at least. He's 70, but he's going to come to no faith here. That's a beautiful thing. So he has a dream that is so troubling, he's got to get answers to it. So God, remember we talked about in Job, he's going to come to the end of himself. God used that dream to scare him, to, to make him question, what's going on? I, I'm, I'm living in process... And that's how people are. They're living, living very well. They're living very prosperous lives. Two-car garage, vacation home, everything's great. And then God starts pressing. And, and even using a dream. And none of the wise men can help them, not one. Not one. Right? In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it was written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Daniel's going to eventually be called here to come. So God sends Daniel. Now, we read that verse in Romans, so how beautiful the feet of those who share the gospel. That's your job. That's my job, right? So we have to be able to tell people that Jesus is is our ultimate, final, complete sacrifice and salvation, and that Jesus wants a relationship with every person regardless of what they have done, what they are doing, or what they've done in their past. We have the promise that whoever puts their faith in Christ will be saved. And we'll have eternity with them. We repent. And we, we, we receive His grace. And ask Him into our hearts. And so God's going to send Daniel now. In verse 8. And the la- and we'll, we'll stop right after here because I think we're getting close to time already. And at last Daniel came in before me, he who has named Balthazar, after the name of of my God, in whom is in the spirit of the holy gods, and I told him the dream, saying, O Balthazar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is difficult for you. Tell me the vision of my dream that I saw uh, and and their interpretation. He's like, Daniel, you helped me once before. Your God helped me once before, and I need this help again. And so in verse 10, it says, The vision of my head as I lay in the bed were these. I saw and behold a tree, and the great mist in the earth is, it was, uh, was great height. It was great. Its height was great. The tree grew and became, uh, became strong, and its top reached top uh, to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful. And its fruits were abundant, and in it was a food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens lived in, in its branches, and all of the flesh was fed from it. And I saw the vision of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. And he proclaimed aloud and said this thus, Chop down the tree and lop off the branches, strip all of its leaves and scatter, it, scatter its fruit. Let the beast of the flee, let the beast flee uh, from under it and, and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a uh, band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with uh, dew of heaven. Let its portion be with the beast and the grass of, uh, of the earth. Let his mind be changed from, uh, from a man's and let the beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him, the sentences by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the words of the holy ones to the uh, to the end, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it in the lowliest of men. Now, the very important part about all of that is that's about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's the tree with the fruit that's going to be lopped down, just chopped, boom, down to the stump, bound by iron, right? And, uh, and then it, it says he's going to do what? Let his portion with the beast and the grass of the, the earth. Let his mind be changed from man like a beast. All of that stuff is going to happen as we get further down into this chapter one of the beautiful verses in chapter 17 it says my most high rules right that the most high rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will and sets over it its lowliest of men and then he says in verse 18 this dream I king Nebuchadnezzar saw and and you O Balthasar tell me the interpretation because all wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able for the spirit of the holy gods in you. And so verses 19 through 37, well, actually 19 through 35, deal with the interpretation of the dream. And so we're going to stop there. So I know you're going, wait a minute, we're halfway into the story. Well, you'll get it on the next episode, right? So that, you know, it's, it's really cool because as we dive into this, so we, we're in the middle of him sharing his testimony, okay? So we're in the middle of him sharing his testimony, and one of the beautiful things is, is we see Daniel's on the scene. Daniel's 50 years old now. He's not a kid anymore. But there's going to be something that happens in verses 19 through 35 where you're going to see the heart of Daniel, where he has such a love for people. You have to remember, he's in Babylon. These people took him captive but he has a love for people that he's going to speak not only love and truth to King Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to try to convince him to repent, to to walk away from this, you know, because God is going to, is going to eventually, you know, do this if you don't stop. Um, You know, and so it's a a beautiful scene. So a couple quick things just for us to remember for tonight. Is, is this important for us to be able to share the gospel? Um, and, and who are we to share it to? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar kind of told us who we're supposed to share it to, right? He told us that it's supposed to go out to what? All nations. Right? He, he says in, in uh, <laughs> all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, and all the earth. That's Everybody. This is a new believer, and he already knows, hey, this needs to go out to everybody. It needs to go out to everybody. So we should be sharing the gospel. Uh, again, as he's talking about his past life, we shouldn't be uh, spending all of our time talking about how we, how we sinned and, and going into great details about, oh, I remember that time I was at the bar and such and such, and, and don't go into all that. If you were an alcoholic, you were an alcoholic. That's all they need to hear. I was an alcoholic, and God saved me from that. Then, then, then God, or but God, right? That's, that's, you need to remember, don't, you don't need to go into old war stories, because right? sometimes what we'll do is we'll glorify the sin. So real quick, the SHARE uh, acronym, uh, Sensitive to the Spirit. And then we humbly build a bridge. So when, when God puts it on your heart to talk to somebody, be sensitive to the Spirit and humbly build the bridge and go, go talk with them, right? Go talk with them. You need to be humble. There should be humility there because Jesus Jesus cared about everyone. And we've, we've seen this in the book of Mark as he's talking to the Syrophoenician woman, as he's talking to the Gentiles and fed them, as he's, you know, he's... he's healed so many people and cast out so many demons, but he was humbly building bridges to talk with them. Right? And then after we humbly build a bridge, we arouse interest. Which means we talk to them about the gospel. We take time to listen. Take time to listen. Then we reveal sin to them. We, we actually tell them what it means to be a sinner. The way Jesus did. Jesus told her, well, no, how many? That's the, but those aren't your husbands. You're not living with your husband, remember? You, you've had how many? He tells the, uh, the Samaritan woman. He kind of let her know, I know about your sin already. And Jesus already knows about your sin, so you know, you're not getting away with anything. And then you explain the plan of salvation to them. That Jesus loves them, that He died for them. That he wants a personal relationship with them, that he wants them to repent of their sin. And that that the the the, the truth would, would set them free and, and place them into eternity and that they could live for Christ today. Right? It's not just that we get the ticket to heaven. Right? It's the fact that we get to live for Christ today. And that God has entrusted you the same way He entrusted this killer this man who killed the magicians, this man who killed numbers of people. And he said, you're going to be my child. The same way with Paul. The same way with Paul. When, you know, Muslims are coming to faith by, by massive numbers. There's a, there's a revival happening with Muslims right now. It's happening. But somebody has to go and be the beautiful feet and share the gospel. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We do pray as we kind of get halfway through the book of Daniel. We can't wait to to see the next episode as we uh, uh, dive further into the scripture, uh, as we get through the rest of Daniel chapter 4. Right now we see the king as he is in his pride, and at some point we'll see the humility and the belief. And, Lord, I pray and and just ask, Lord, that you help us uh, to be humble, to be willing, to give us opportunity to share the gospel this week with someone. If we haven't done it in a while, I pray that we would, that would be one of our our daily prayers. Lord, put somebody in my life that I could share the gospel with today. And I pray that for this church, uh, that we would be a church that would be boldly, uh, fearlessly going out and just sharing the gospel. Uh, to those in the city and into the county and then into Texas, Lord. Uh, We pray for for Calvary Chapel Divine. We ask, Lord, that you just continue to be with us as we uh, meet and get ready for Christmas over the next few days, or in a few weeks, actually. And uh, just pray, Lord, that uh, as a church, that we would remember what Christmas is about. It's about your son, Jesus Christ, and uh, that we would celebrate that. And we thank you so much, Lord. We do pray for, uh, for those that are here and those that couldn't be here and those that are catching it live online. We thank you, Lord, for, for taking time to, uh, to be with us tonight or to catch us on the podcast. We ask that you just continue to bless uh, those that hear this and, uh, and see it. And we just thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.